Yesterday was the, the uh, Champagne Marathon run. Did you know that? Like the half marathons and marathons? Yeah, we got a few half and full marathoners in here right now. Yeah, and you're waiting for the marathon story where I was chasing my wife around all day. It didn't happen this year. I was over at ISU's campus. My daughter had an eighth grade uh, band concert. And so I was hanging out over there and we watched the concert and the competitions as all these different junior highs played against each other. And, and then I went and hung out in the quad at ISU for a couple hours. I didn't survive well. <laughs> Let me tell you, they, it was spring fest in the quad, which means they brought every head-banging band in they could possibly find. Any kid who ever wanted to scream into a microphone was invited to the stage so that the quad became not a place of peace. It was unbelievable. I'm sitting out there, the breeze is blowing, you're trying to enjoy the sun, and some kid is, I can't even explain the screams that were coming out of this voice. And uh, I finally had to move behind it. How do you know you're old? When you sit behind the stage, right? So I'm on the backside. I'm like, I don't get it. What's the draw? And uh, kind of made me think of today. Because that's actually the series that we're starting in here, right? We're in a series called Compelling King. Like, I don't get it. What's the draw of Jesus Christ? Who is he? And, and what's he about? And, and as we talk through what Scripture says about Christ, we need to make sure we're grasping the whole of who he is. So over the next eight weeks, I mean, last week we launched with an Easter sermon series. Uh, it was a celebration time. We knocked the wall down, put an extra 250 chairs in here. Like we had it going on last week. Amen? Amen. It was a good time of celebration and a lot of laughter, a lot of tears, a lot of joy as we just brought a ton of people together and celebrated him. And uh, so that was launching the series, Compelling King. The next eight weeks, what we're going to do here is we're going to walk Genesis to Revelation, not chapter by chapter. Don't worry. But Genesis to Revelation, we're just going to look at who is this Jesus Christ? Who is this king in scripture? Like, like, well, who is he in the beginning and in the middle and at the end? What's Jesus doing? What's he about? Let's get to know our king and what the big draw is. So today we're going to start with him as creator king. So take a look with me, if you will, at Genesis chapter one. Turn to Genesis chapter one. We got the ushers coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands, so just raise your hand and uh, they'll get a Bible to you, okay? If you need a Bible, just raise your hand or get their attention and they'll get one to you. Genesis chapter 1. I'm here a lot of pages turn. It's right in the beginning. Okay. All right, there we go. Genesis 1. So what's the draw of Jesus Christ? What should we know? How should we react? Let's just start out. Point number one, respect him. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of the world. Respect him. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of the world. All right. We'll just start out in verse one here. With the five key words to this entire chapter. In the beginning, God created. Okay, we could stop there. All right. I mean, that's really the point of chapter one. In the beginning, God created. Now, we get a lot more detail, and we're going to work through that detail today a little bit. But the reality is we better understand the point of Genesis 1 is in the beginning, God created. Let's not get off into any little tangents and arguments, and well, let's be careful. What's the main point of Genesis 1? In the beginning, God did what? Created. There we go. Okay. So in the beginning, God created. Let's break that down. In the beginning. You know, like when everything that we know physically started 
at the beginning of what we're aware of, the physical, tangible world, this is how it started. God created. The spoken word of the Almighty God, God stepping in as he brings something to existence. God moving. A miracle occurred. God created. Actually, literally what it's saying here is God out of nothing brought something. The stuff that we have around us, right? Ex nihilo, it's called. From nothing, he brings something. The amazingness of our God. In the beginning, God created. Yeah, but how much did he create? Well, he created the heavens and the earth. Everything, everything created was created by God Almighty. Well, that's great, Tim, but I thought you said we were going to be talking about Jesus Christ here. Turn with me, if you will, now to Colossians chapter 1, okay? We're going to go back to Genesis 1, but just for a moment, jump with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. A little more page turning on this one, right? Colossians 1, 16 and 17. It's kind of right in the middle of the New Testament there. Why go here? Well, because in the beginning of Colossians, Paul is actually talking about Jesus Christ. And he's talking about the Son of God, the Almighty, the Redeemer, the Savior. And then he gets into verse 15. He, Jesus Christ, he is the, invis- he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. To know Jesus Christ is to begin to get to know God Almighty because they are one in the same. In fact, in verse 16, it says, for by him, Jesus Christ, all things were created. Here we go. So when it says in the beginning, God created. Now we have a little bit more info in Colossians one. It's Jesus himself creating, speaking it into existence. The son of God, who later will take responsibility for the world. Well, he's the creator of it. He's the author of it. It says, for by him, you know, like he's the one doing the speaking. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. So there we go, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're getting great alignment. It says, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now we get a little purpose statement. Jesus is creating for For himself. To bring glory. To be able to have himself worshipped. God Almighty getting his just rewards as the unbelievable creator and designer of all. We have a job to do as his created beings. Lift him up. We have a job to do. To glorify him with all we've got. That's what we've been created for. Through him. For him. That's you and me. Through him, for him, our purpose statement. Now notice it goes on. He says in verse 17, and he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. All things hold together. He's more than just creator. He didn't just spin a top and walk away. He's actually started up the universe as we know it physical And he's hanging in here and being with and among and through. It continues to sustain all that we see and know. When we call things laws of science, what we're actually doing is exploring the depths of his holding it all together. Jesus Christ, creator, 
sustainer. When we start talking about him as king of kings and lord of lords, let's make sure we start by talking about him as creator king. Almighty creator king. The one who spoke and it became through him all. And it's for him. That's what we're talking about. Jesus Christ, our creator king. Respect him. It's an amazing opportunity. You know, I broke down Colossians 1 this way. You can figure out who. It says the son of God, Jesus Christ. He's the creator. Well, what did he create? Well, he created everything. All. He created all. Everything is under his authority. How much is under his authority? How much is under his authority? That includes you and me. We're under his authority. Everything under his authority. Why? For his glory. That's why. His pleasure. What else? Well, we know that he's the sustainer as well. Maintaining it as we move along. That's what we get to learn here. That we have an unbelievable God of unbelievable power. He spoke it into existence. He gives us purpose in the midst. It's time to respect him. You know, there was a man who worked with uh, President Truman, Harry S. Truman. And uh, this is back in the 40s, and uh, it was just post-World War II. Actually, he was talking to Truman, and they were reminiscing. And uh, there was a meeting that was called every morning, 8.30. And they'd all get together, and they'd have this staff meeting, presidential staff meeting. And they'd talk about whatever needed to be accomplished that day, okay? And as they were working through their day one morning, somebody came in with a lavender letter. And dropped this lavender letter in front of President Truman. And he flipped it over and there was this big wax seal on it that kind of fixed it so it couldn't be opened except by him, right? And this wax seal had this kind of regal thing on it, this big stamp in it. And as he opened it and pulled the letter out and opened it up, it it was from uh, the king of Saudi Arabia. And he read it out loud. He's like, you guys can all hear this. I have no idea what it is. Let's see what it says. It starts out. Your magnificence. Talking to President Truman. He stops. He goes, stop. I don't care what the rest says. This is a great letter. (laughs) Right? And and then he says, hey, I got an idea. Maybe you guys should address me this way. Your magnificence. That would be wonderful, right? And you see the looks around. And President Truman just laughs. Puts his glasses back on. Reads the rest of it. And it was just a statement of thank you for all that you're doing in this area. And how you've been working with. And just an appreciation. Well, it turned out a few months later, uh, the UN and President Truman made a decision to try to help move 100,000 Jews back in to the Palestinian area. And uh, as they did that move and went forward with it, the king of Saudi Arabia had some thoughts. And so he sent him a letter. He wasn't real happy with this move. And the letter came in and President Truman opened it up at an 830 meeting. And it started out, dear Mr. President. Your magnificence was dropped. What happened? You see, all too often, we tie our feelings for what's going on to how we treat someone. Question, how are you treating God? How are you speaking with him? I mean, really, if there was ever a time to start out with your magnificence, wouldn't it be when we pray? How are you doing in your time alone with the Lord and just addressing him and respecting him? Knowing that he is literally the one who sits over all and creates all and sustains 
all. That's the God you're talking to. It's not, dear God. Nothing wrong with it. It's accurate. But just imagine the one you're speaking with. How appropriate is your magnificence or whatever you may come up with to say you're amazing, God. Thanks for what you're doing in this world and what you're doing in my life. The creator king. First step, respect him. He creates and sustains. Hey, we're only one verse in, right? Okay, point number two. Lean on him. He spoke and it was. Did not evolve. He spoke and it was. This is the authority of our God. Notice in verse two, it says that the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now in verse three, he gets engaged and God said, let there be light. And there was light. The recipe that we have through the rest of Genesis 1 is this. God says, let there be, and there was. Are you hearing it? There's authority in that. God's saying, this is what will be. Bam. And it was, right? That's what we're talking about. Authority of our God's word. As he speaks exactly what he wants into existence, and it is. Let there be, and there was. It's absolutely essential that we grasp the power of his word. If we begin to change this in any way and say, God said, let there be. Well, and then what he wanted didn't really start. And then it became and then it processed and then it right. You're missing it. You have a God who's speaking nothing into something. And as he does that and he says, let there be, it is. God said, and it was. That's what this is. We're taking it literally. That's what it means. That's what it says. Let's just learn from the word and see how it leads and guides us. Notice just a little comment after it there. We'll get to this in the third point, but it says, and God saw that it was good. His creation is unbelievably perfect. His intentions are perfect. And what comes of it is perfect. God is an amazing designer creator. We have an awesome opportunity. In fact, it says in verse 21, just a little bit further, if you look in the middle of verse 21 there, it says he created according to their kind. It says that a couple of times throughout Genesis 1, according to their kinds. Be really careful if we begin to adopt some other idea of origins that starts to involve randomness, God not involved, no intentionality. When we're told very specifically very purposeful, very intentional, according to their kind. He spoke and it was, and it was good. That's the recipe we have. Okay. All right, Tim. I got a question for you. I thought you were an engineer. I thought you spent 17 years in the sciences and I thought you went to studies before that. What's your answer to all this then? What you just pitch the sciences out. That's what you're going to do. All right, let's talk about that for just a minute, okay? I want to spend a little bit of time here because it's a pretty important position. First of all, I want to make clear, this is our position. The Bible sits on top, science sits underneath. Science has to explain the Bible, not the other way around, okay? Science explains the Bible, not the other way around. Why would you say that? Well, we spent six weeks in a series called Without Apology. If we're calling the Word of God absolutely no errors... If we're calling the word of God, the absolute special revelation from the almighty, his showing us what would he would have from us. We need to treat it as that. 
it sits on top. That's the first reason. But there's a second reason. The earth is flat. Oh, no, it's not. It's round. Right? Everything revolves around the earth. Never mind. We're revolving around the sun. Sciences are shifting as we learn things. Okay? And as we learn and grow in our knowledge, science adjusts. Don't make us track a moving target. Put the moving target underneath the solid. And let's watch it make sense out of the solid. Okay? That would be my second request. Okay. But Tim, let's just deal with one element. Don't the scientists say that the earth is like 4.5 billion years old, blah, blah, blah. And we've got process and come on, deal with that for a moment. All right, let's deal with it for just a moment. All right, here we go. You ready? Everybody put on your science hat. Half of you are like, great. All right, you ready? Here we go. So the scientists are explaining that we have layer upon layer of these fossil records, right? And these fossil records, these massive records of layers of sediment, which is an awesome thing. Like, how long does it take for us to see those layers get formed? Well, they would say, hey, look around you. And this is very real in science and very accurate. We see that uniformly layers get laid down, right? For example, every fall, the leaves fall down and then some... Rain and muck mixes in and a little bit of dust and you get this kind of harder layer and it sort of lays there, right? And you know, like if you don't rake the leaves off your grass, what do you have next year? Dirt, right? No grass grows because you got a layer over it, right? And imagine those layers keep laying down one after another, right? And so uniformly laying the layers down, how long must it take to get like 600 feet deep layering of sediments and stuff, right? And so the scientists are like, uh, hundreds of millions of years and that would be accurate that's a real mathematical statement that if everything is laid down uniformly it must take hundreds of millions of years so that's where science position is question is there any other explanation for these deep layers of records and sediment layering and well yes the answer is actually in science there's another option And this other explanation is called catastrophism. And you may have heard of it and you may not have heard of it, okay? So if you haven't, now you're learning something, all right? Catastrophism. So what is it? It's science explanation for what happens in the moment of huge cataclysmic events. It's very real. It's happened. We've got examples of it. Let's take one. Mount St. Helens, 1980. An earthquake rumbles. The volcano explodes. We have junk and lava and sediment and hot waters and stuff pouring down. And they end up with sludge layering that just rolls down the side of the mountain. It pours. It actually covered over the top of this river. And they ended up with hundreds of feet deep of sludge and layering. And then the ash dust finally settling down from the volcano. And over a course of about three years, they had about 300 to 600 feet deep of this sediment and junk that had laid over a river. Why do you say three years in? Well, because at the three-year point, there was this snow cap that was inside of the, of the Mount St. Helens area, and it finally got hot enough that it sort of exploded hot water pouring down the side, pours down into that sludge and muck sediment, and starts cutting two canyons right through the midst of it until it pours out to the back end. And all of a sudden, you have 600-foot deep layering canyons cut through it the river pops back up and starts running right through it now and if you looked at it it would look like well 600 foot deep sediment layers and a calm little creek running through and and if we use the uniformitarian explanation that would be hundreds of millions of years to form 
And the guy living in Washington says, that was three years I watched it happen. I've got photos along the way, right? So be careful. There is scientific explanation for deep fossil records occurring in matters of minutes or hours or days or maybe a couple years at the most. And they're formed. So as you look at it, science actually does have some explanations on the alternative side for how it could be a very shortened time. And maybe God did speak things into existence. Well, how do you know then where to use which one? Well, if you were ever to know, for example, that there was a catastrophe, you would be foolish to not use catastrophism to understand what's going on with it, right? So when they go to Mount St. Helens, they'd be foolish to use uniformitarianism there. They know it's catastrophism because of the catastrophe watched. So if there was a worldwide catastrophe of some sort, hint, hint, Genesis 6, flood, then we need to consider it. So if the Bible is going to remain the top and we say there is a flood, Genesis 6, let's consider that for a moment. A lot of us picture the flood and we picture something that happened in Sunday school in our minds when we were little and there's this little piece of wood and a guy sitting inside and he hears the pitter-patter of rain on it and we're like, the flood, right? And, and the problem is we're missing it because this is what's really going on. There's this atmosphere all the way around of water that's absolutely deluging in for the first time ever, boring upon. And all of a sudden you're getting not just a little bit of rain. I mean, my word, when it rains for an hour in Morton, I get 10 feet of water in my backyard, right? Now we're talking about like 40 days straight of boring rain and deluge collapsing in worldwide, hundreds of feet of water. Platonic shifts occurring, earthquakes probably rumbling. In the midst of that, volcanoes going up. It wasn't a nice little time. It wasn't like he was sitting inside the ark feeding the giraffe going, this is so cool. Right? <laughs> He's literally going, whoa, as thing after thing. And when you put earthquakes and water together, what do you get? Tsunamis, right? Who knows what was going on? We've got to be very real about this. If there was some worldwide cataclysm taking place at that time, it was horrendous. And Genesis 6 says there was the end. Now, all of a sudden, we have this massive catastrophe. We've got huge things taking place. We've got volcanoes and eruptions and earthquakes and water moving. And do you think maybe when we had one Mount St. Helens event and we created that, that when we get a worldwide, we could actually create something that has huge fossil record that could be very short-lived? Answer? Every scientist has to say this, has to. Yes, it's possible. They have to say that. I just don't think it is. That's what they have to follow it with. Well, why would they do that? Well, let me just read this to you, okay? One quote, we'll just close with this, and then we'll kind of move forward. This is a statement from a scientist. Very real position for science. Creationists believe that the world started miraculously. Yep. But miracles lie outside of science, which by definition deals only with the natural, the repeatable, that which is governed by law. You're hearing that? Let me read it one more time. Creationists believe that the world started miraculously, but miracles lie outside of science, which by definition deals only with the natural, the repeatable, that which is governed by law. This is what we need to embrace, okay? Science has a box admittedly around it. We cannot look for a God. We're not looking for miracles and we're not looking for God moving, okay? So why put science underneath the Bible? Because the Bible starts out, in the beginning, 
God created over the top. Science is looking inside at the natural world and how the God of this universe who created this universe is sustaining this universe. And it's an awesome box. I love the sciences and I'm all over it and I've, it's going to be a part of me for the rest of my life. But I'm telling you, it is a box inside that only looks at natural upon natural and must not look to the God. Then it becomes religion, right? And so in that regard, narrowed up. My answer to you is this. Put science underneath let the Bible lead, read literally, watch what God teaches. That's where we are, okay? And there are very clear scientific answers for explaining options on how this is happening. I mean, did God explain to us every little piece of how it went down? No. Why not? Well, why didn't he explain it? Again, remember I said the main point is in the beginning, God created. Let's get back to our creator king and his amazingness. My simple answer to you is this. It's true. It's real. God created with the spoken word. And we have an amazing creator God moving in this world and moving in your life. Let him be creator God. Give him that authority. Watch him as he moves in your life. Whatever it is he's doing, God is unbelievably in charge. Our question is, are we leaning on him? Are we willing to lean on him and let him have power in our lives? He works with our will. Are you willing to let him work in your life? That's the question we have at hand. An amazing God with an amazing purpose and an amazing plan. He speaks it into existence. And sadly, many are trying to prove how that's just not the case. Just let the word talk. Let God guide you. It's an amazing truth. Okay. So first, respect him. Second, lean on him. Third, trust him. He created with purpose, order, and perfection. Trust him. He created with purpose, order, and perfection. We're going to walk through a bunch of verses here, all right? Let's just start. uh, We'll probably start with verse 2. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Day one, he's speaking. Some sort of light starts to exist. It doesn't say the source, but some kind of light. Boom, there's light. God spoke and it was. I can't imagine what it was like, but there was absolute darkness. And then there wasn't. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine being the angels? This this concept of the physical world, it hasn't existed. And you're sitting there in the middle of nothingness and Bam! There's light. That's what God's doing as he's moving and as he's shaping. Day one. And then it says, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So on this formless earth that's sitting there in the dark, that's now all of a sudden in the light, now he creates an atmosphere in the midst. Basically, he calls it the heavens or the sky, if you will. In the Hebrew, those are kind of the same word. All right? So now there's a separation between waters at the atmospheric level and waters on the earth. Day two. Day three, he says, well, let's move back the waters, create some dry land, and then we'll create some vegetation. That's day three, vegetation and plants yielding seed according to their own. Notice the intentionality and the order in which he's moving. So now we have water moved back, we have land created, we have plants now in place, and then God says, let's separate the day from the night, we're going to create two ruling 
pieces. It says, we'll create one to rule by day, the greater one, and one to rule by night. And they're also there to be able to keep track of the time. So God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. Day four. Day five. He says, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with them. The waters swarmed according to their kinds. Big word there, according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the water in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day now we've got birds and we've got fish of various sorts and we've got plants and we've got land sixth day coming and god said let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds living livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds and it was so and god made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind a lot of according to its kinds are you hearing that it's kind of an important piece to grasp onto. All right. I'll just leave it at that. Enough said. And God saw that it was good. God doesn't create bad. Okay. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Let's talk about that for a second. Let us. Remember, we have Jesus Christ, the creator, but now he's interacting with the Trinity, and we have the Godhead together. And he says, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us create and let's make man in our image. What in the world does that mean? We've been made to look like God? How is that? Like God has two arms and two legs and, no, not the physical, right? It's not about the physical. It's about the creative and it's about the passion and it's about the will and it's about the choices and it's about the abilities and notice what he does when he creates he ends up saying to man you can name a few well what did God do early on that'll be earth that'll be sky right he's naming now he's like you try right I mean he's raising him up right there he's creating him in his image and he's saying have a shot at this he's created man with a uniqueness of the soul and a very closeness to God in that regard. Now, this is really important to grasp, okay? So imagine I've got a chalkboard here and I now write image of God, right? And I wrote it in chalk, so you just heard it squeak about nine times and you're cringing, right? Because you hear like chalk, you know what I'm talking about? Everybody remembers whiteboards now. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. So the old times, right? And the chalk dust is flying off and I've got white all down my shirt now. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So image of God written up there. This is how he created man. Just with this perfect stamp of God on him, the way you think, the way you react, the way you feel, that's where man started. And we need to grasp that God had a perfect intent for man in the midst of that. Notice if you go right to the end of chapter 2, God summarizes in verse 31 and god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day it was very good this time right it was very good meaning what meaning it was perfect god put it all together and pieced it together so it was working and interacting with each other and a hundred percent complete and he goes that's very good Right? Have you ever done that yourself? Where you've got some job around the house and you get done and you're like, dude, that is not just good. That's very good. Have you ever done that? 
Yeah, me neither. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, God's got this ability to evaluate at a very high level the completeness and the goodness of it. And he says, it's very good. Question, Tim. Then what's with all the pain? I, I mean, I'm struggling right now. Thank you. Where's the hurt and the evil and the what's going on with that? Well, I'm telling you, we're not going to be able to spend much time today on it. But here's what I want to do. Just jump to Genesis 3 real quickly. Genesis 3, verse 6. Notice what it says. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. If you go on to the middle of chapter 3, God begins to put out the punishments for what it is to go your own way. The cause for the hurt in this world is mankind. It's you and me choosing our own way. It's us putting our will above his. It's God creating in perfection and us having said through Adam, literally Adam as our representative saying, Going to do it my way. That apple just looks too good. I can't imagine how good that apple must have looked for that to go down. But in the end, the choice was his will rebelling against God's. And each and every one of us would have done the same thing. And where we stand before him is absolutely guilty of having missed the mark. The hurt in this world comes from this understanding. You and me and our junk. And the sin we've brought is ours and here's the irony is that most of the time you hear people talking about pain in this world they're like i can't even believe there's a god almost a fist shaking right if there was a good god how could he let dot 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 and really we need to be saying the good god and his perfect creation and his unbelievable sustaining in the midst and his willingness to work with all of that hurt that's him the us we just keep jacking it up you know what I mean? We keep getting in the way and we keep moving this and we keep changing that and we keep affecting this and everything is us hurting, us moving, us changing. Our sin brings pain. Amen? Amen. Man, we got to grasp that. Our sin brings pain. When our creator king created, it was very good. Amen? We need to grasp that with all we've got. When our creator king spoke, it was. When our creator king moved, it moved. When our creator king said, it will be, it was. And it was good, 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 good. It was very good. That is our creator king moving in this world. Amen? Genesis 1 through 3. We need to grasp all we've got. That we have a king of kings and a lord of lords who deserves the respect and the leaning on and the trusting in with all we have. You have all authority in this world, not me. You have all attention from this one, God. May I give it to you as you so deserve. Lord, you're unbelievable. You are majestic. You are perfect. Forgive me for going my way.
if we're running away from you. That's what we're talking about. As we look at the beginning of the story of Scripture, it's this simple. It comes down to this. From beginning to end, we're talking about the Creator King. And in the beginning, God, Jesus Christ Himself, created. And He and He alone is what this whole thing is for. It's through Him and for Him. Amen? It's through Him and for Him. Amen? Let's just say it together one time. You ready? It's through him and for him. Our creator king. Him in charge of all. Totally capable of anything. In fact, all he had to do was say it. And it was done. Let there be light. I'm thinking for drama, he probably spoke up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Just for drama though. It wasn't necessary. You know, let there be light. Right? I could have done it. No, let there be light. But whatever. You know? I think God absolutely having a blast creating. And as it gets done, can you imagine all those sitting around in each moment? They've never seen it before. And God says, let there be. And the next thing appears and everybody goes, oh man, I didn't see that one coming. Unbelievable. Look at that, right? Can you imagine what it was like as our king created? May we be in awe. Don't fall into the trap. Not of it, the stuff, but of him, the unbelievable creator and sustainer who's behind it all. Yes, science has some unbelievable touches into this world. It's just this physical world and a little box therein. God sits over all and sustains all. And he is my creator king. And I worship him with all I have. How about you? Let's just take a few moments right here and right now. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come on up. Let's just take a few moments right here to spend with him. Respect and lean and trust. Some of us in here, very lighthearted and and we're enjoying life right now and things are going well. And some of us, no. There's heavy. There's pain. There's tough things going on. The message that we can take from having a creator king who speaks and it is. He has authority in your life like you would not believe. Let's just go before him now. And let's just address him. Maybe you want to start with your majesty or oh majestic one. Or whatever it is you come up with to give him the great respect he's deserved. And let's pray. him simply and thank him for who he is respect your magnificence almighty one our all knowing God one who creates with perfection With wisdom and insight. 
You are our King of kings and Lord of lords. You are my creator king. Take my heart, Lord. May I run after you with respect. Just take a minute or two now to talk about the leaning. Leaning upon him. The one who has the power to speak and it is. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through. Just lean on him. He can change it in a moment. See where he's moving. Run with him. Just pray to him now as you lean. hearts are heavy in here today and the very problems we face are right in front of us and block our view and cause us to think very small and in the moment Lord I pray that your your vastness your transcendence would just shatter this moment right now Lord we pray That you who can speak and it is would be in the lives of those in this room. Lord, may we lean on you with all we've got. May we just say you're in charge. Pray for each soul here, Lord, that they find you in that position in their life right now. while you stamped the image of God upon us it's been smeared with sin it's been messed up a bit and while your original intent was perfection we're experiencing less than that now because of our choices and our ways this world is sinful and man is born from conception in sin with that image of God smeared We thank you, Lord, that you are so about filling it back in so that it's completely readable in our lives. Lord, I just pray that you'd help each of us to trust you now. The one who speaks with order and perfection, the one who creates in a way we could never have imagined. May we lean upon you, our King of kings and Lord of lords. Go to him now and trust that he has order for your life, that he has perfection on the way. He's sanctifying as he moves. Trust him and hand it over to him. Father, we worship you. Jesus, we thank you for who you are the mighty creator, king of kings, my Messiah, savior, 
the son of God. You speak and it is. You remain in this world. It's sustained. You are it. Lord, may we see that all is through you. May we see that all is for you. Our creator king. May you be lifted up. May you be empowered. May you simply have our attention. Our all in all. May we be in awe of the great creator. The almighty one. May we look at you as the creator king. The start of the story of scripture. But you don't run away from your creation. The story of the Bible is simply that. You with us. May we worship you. Our creator king. Patient creator king. We stand in awe of who you are. Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray.